few weeks, we've been considering some difficult questions, maybe some commonly held questions that people have about Christian faith. And today we get to this question. If I can be forgiven of everything, doesn't that mean that I can just do what I like? Well, I'm going to read some scripture first off to you, and then we'll get into this question a little bit. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 1 and through to verse 14. Romans chapter 6. It says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Well, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from dead through the glory of the Father, we too may know new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin but if we died with Christ we believe that we also live with him for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead he cannot die again death no longer has mastery over him the death he died, he died to sin for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Can I be forgiven of everything? If I can be forgiven of everything... Doesn't that mean I can do what I like? Well, the short answer to that is that, in practical terms, absolutely not. It's not a really good defence in a court of law to argue that because God forgives you, so should they, Your Honour. The truth be told is that, of course, we are ruled by the laws of this land. You can't just get away with doing what you like because you think that God will forgive you. But equally, when it comes down to spiritual lives, we simply cannot hold that attitude in sway. As a simple answer, just as a parent who loves their child so much that they would die for them, that that parent would forgive that child of anything, so Jesus, who did die for us, would forgive us of anything. But... Just as a child grows to recognise the depth of love that that parent has for them, they don't want to do them wrong or to hurt them in any way. So we should grow to demonstrate our love for God by choosing not to wrong 
or to hurt him? The question is kind of an unusual one, although commonly asked. It almost comes from a strange, I'm not sure, a good place. Can I get away with it is what is behind this question. Go on, if I'm going to be forgiven, can I just get away with whatever I want to do? Well, if the easy answer is no, but please stick around for the next few minutes because what I'd like to do is to explore a couple of common misconceptions that I think are behind the asking of that question in the first place. And I believe this passage from Romans chapter 6 will help us with that. So the first common misconception that I hear often, which I think leads to this question, is that the hope that the point of becoming a Christian is so that I go to heaven when I die. It's often followed by another bit to the question, which is, so if that's the case, I might as well just live like I want to live and ask God to forgive me on my deathbed so that I go to heaven. Well, I'm not entirely sure that the Christian church has done the best job of somehow undoing this misconception in the past. I've heard too often said to groups of people, become a Christian because you don't know what's going to happen to you after you leave this building. Today, you might get hit by a bus. Today, you might die. So go quick. It's focused people's attention on what happens after our last earthly breath is drawn. That is not only completely unhelpful, it entirely misses the point. Because being a follower of Jesus, being someone who is a Christian, is not about getting an eternal insurance policy. Yes, there is an aspect to our faith which gives us hope for life beyond this earthly life to be found in Jesus. But actually, the point of becoming a Christian is not for that eternal insurance policy. No, it is to experience the very best life that we can in the here and now. As it's been said many times before, Christian faith is not just about pie in the sky when you die. It's about cake on your plate whilst you wait. It's, it's about both things. It's about getting the very best in this life, as well as having that hope for future with God. Eternal life doesn't begin when you draw your last earthly breath. Eternal life for you started the day that you were born, the day you drew your first earthly breath. When we're talking about eternal life, we're not talking about something that's beyond we're talking about real life that is here and now. The Apostle Paul uses this contrasting language of death and life in that passage from Romans that we just heard read. But he's not just referring to physical life and death. In fact, more so in this passage, he's talking about spiritual death and spiritual life. Not with reference to some future eternal insurance policy, but about the difference that Jesus can make to my life and to your life in the here and now. And Paul talks a lot about sin in this passage. Sin is anything that is not living God's way as demonstrated and taught by Jesus. 
Right in the middle of the word sin is the letter I. I believe that behind most sin is I, it's selfishness. Sin is about looking out for number one at the expense of all others. Sin's about taking something that isn't ours for some kind of personal gain. That's the exact opposite to what Jesus taught us and to the demonstration of his life. He taught us to love God and to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. That story so beautifully told of the Good Samaritan is a perfect example that Jesus gave of that. The issue is, as hard as we try in our own strength to live a selfless life, we just can't do it. We struggle so much. I don't believe that there is any person that is watching today that goes out of their way to be selfish. I don't believe there's anyone that, that knowingly wants to, to sin. At least I hope that's not the case. But the thing is, is that this life of selflessness that Jesus demonstrated to us, that that is so, so difficult to achieve ourselves. Paul in that passage from Romans talks about dying to sin when we become followers of Jesus and instead being made alive in Christ. Let me read these words to you again. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Jesus' death and resurrection means that the power of sin over us is broken. We can't do it on our own, but the great news is that we don't have to. When Jesus died and was resurrected, the power of sin was broken, not just in him, but for you and for me, for all time. No longer do you or I need to be held in these desires and sins that means that we can't experience the fullness of life in the here and now Paul talks about being baptized after deciding for yourself to become a follower of Jesus amongst the symbols of baptism that goes with believers baptism the way in Baptist churches we baptize people we lower people down into the water just just in front of me is a baptistry it's like a big well and as we lower people down the symbolism is as we lower them under the water it's that they're dying to the sinful life that they've known before and as we bring them up out of the water, not after three days like Jesus, but after just a few seconds, we bring them up into a new life. That's the direct symbolism that Paul is using here in the terminology and in the language that he's using, drawing that comparison of new life that is offered to you and I because we have relationship with Jesus or can have relationship with Jesus.
The offer of new life is open now to you and to I. Today, the offer is open. Stick around because I'm going to tell you how to know it in just a minute. The second misconception that I think is often made around this question, if I can be forgiven of everything, doesn't that mean that I can just do what I like? The second misconception is something along the lines of, well, surely there's nothing wrong with looking out for number one. I've heard it on the telly. Surely there's nothing wrong with looking out for number one. I mean, if I don't, no one will, right? Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. God has been looking out for you since the day that you were born. And every single day of your life since. Here's the thing. Maybe you've not been looking out for God. Maybe you've not had that awareness of God's love and compassion for you. Him looking out, him caring for you deeply since the day that you were born. Another story that Jesus told, a well-known one, is the story of the prodigal son, the child that takes their inheritance and decides they know best. And they leave the father and go off and live their own lives in their own way. And for a while it's fun, but eventually it gets to a point of crisis and they realise that this way of living is not good that the life that they knew with their father was so much better than the life that they live now. And so they return to their father. And, and I've got plans to, 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 to beg for forgiveness. Well, it, before they get a chance to beg, the father's out seeing the child, has been looking out for that child all the time that they have been away. And as, they, and as the father sees the child come back, loves the child, goes out and greets them. Before the child can say, can I be forgiven? The father's already forgiven that child because of the depth of love that they have for them. He's the father that looked out for the prodigal. He's the father that forgave the prodigal as the prodigal returned home. The Apostle Paul is pretty uncompromising about this. He says, For we know that our old self was crucified with Jesus, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. It'd be really tempting to go back to living the way of life that we've lived before. But Paul says that that life, that old life, has been done away with once we have been made alive in Christ. We've been set free from sin and the selfishness that lies behind it. Having been set free from the power of sin, why would anyone want to return to being a slave to sin again? Once you've known the joy, and it is joy, the life-giving joy of being released from sin, why would you want to have anything to do with that again? Have you experienced that life-giving joy for yourself? That new life that the Apostle Paul writes of that is offered to us in Christ Jesus. That sense of the old life almost seeming like foolishness in comparison 
to the joy of knowing new life that God wants us to have. If that is something that you've known, but it's a long time ago, and things have happened, and that joy is gone, listen up. Listen up, because in a moment, I'm going to pray, and we're going to believe that God will bring that joy back. And the third misconception, the final one, behind this question, if I can be forgiven of everything, doesn't that mean I can just do what I like? Goes something along these lines, the third misconception. Since it's not possible to live a completely pure life, surely there's no harm in a little bit of sin, is there? Especially if I know that I'm going to be forgiven. Well, first to say, it might be true that living the perfect life without any wrong attitude or action is not actually possible. But quickly following that, let me say this, that is simply not a valid excuse for getting away with it, which I think is the attitude behind asking that question, behind that misconception. The point is, that having experienced the love of God and the new life that he gives us, our response ought to be to love God back, to choose to live his way, recognising that that is difficult, but asking for his help. We talk of God as God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe that God the Holy Spirit is with us. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the strength to live this life, the best life that God has for us. It's that sense of a strength beyond ourselves, faced with difficult decisions, difficult choices in life. It's the Holy Spirit, God who is present in us and with us, that enables us to have the strength to live the best life that God offers us. The Apostle Paul says in our reading, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Here's the thing. Rather than offering ourselves to this life of sin, and by that I just mean selfish attitudes, I mean not living the way that God would have us live. I'm not talking about the most heinous sins that come to mind necessarily. I'm talking about the things that are not God's best for us. We can choose that. Or instead we can offer ourselves to God and recognise that we have been brought from the death of that old life to the spiritual life, eternal life, that is present and here helping us to live the best life possible today. And when you fail, and we all fail often, you will recognise that you are no longer a slave to sin, that in fact you're a child of God. And just as you come to your loving Heavenly Father and ask for forgiveness, just as the prodigal son did, you'll hear him say, you are already forgiven. Come live with me again. Come live the very best life 
that you can live. You hear the Father say, let's start over. Let's start afresh. Let's experience this new life that I offer you again. Some people, I think, listening today need to hear that because you have known the love of the Father in your life. But you've also known the temptation of this sinful life in the past. And you've been tempted so much that you're now feeling distant from God the Father. You feel distant from Jesus. You feel distant from the Holy Spirit. Here's the news. Today, that can change. I'm not talking about a decision you make today that is simply just for after you breathe your last earthly breath, though this does give you hope in that regard. I'm talking about a decision today that makes a difference in your life from today and every day as you choose life over death, as you choose to be in Christ rather than in sin, as, as you choose the life of selflessness rather than the attitudes of selfishness that lie behind that sinful old life. You feel that like in baptism, you leave the death of the old life behind you and you're raised to a new life again. I'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to sing in just a moment. But before we do, I'd like us just to spend a moment as I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite you as you're listening to this, if that is you, firstly, if you've, if you've tuned in today and you've heard this for the first time or it's relatively new to you, you've never really experienced this new life that we've read about in the Apostle Paul's writings to, to the Romans that we, we heard read before. If that's new to you, but it's something that you want, then today you can experience that. I, I'd love you to write in the comments box, that's what I want. I want new life. And if you want to know a bit more information, then write, this sounds interesting. I'd love to know some more. Write that in the comments box, or if you're on Facebook, then please message us if you prefer as a private message. And we'll be in contact with you to give you a bit more information so you can find out some more. I'm really happy to talk with anyone about this. And equally, if you have experienced that new life for yourself, but you've kind of got to a point of thinking, if I can be forgiven anyway, I might as well just get away with doing what I like. If that is the position that you're in or something like it, but today you recognise that you've chosen the second best rather than God's best, the very best, today you can know that very best again, that joy of new life can return to you. I'm going to pray now. And as I pray, if you want to pray the words along, please do. Or just to, to say an amen. Amen means I agree with that at the end and you can write that in the comments box you can just say it under your breath if you want to as you're watching from wherever you're watching but let's pray and ask God to to give us that new life let's pray dear God we thank you that in you we can know the very best life not just the hope of a future beyond this earthly life with you but the very best life in the here and now 
God, thank you that it's not just about what happens in the here and after. It's about living life in the here and now. So God, please help us this day to recognize, Jesus, what you did for us. To recognize that in faith, as you died and as you rose to life again, that the power of sin was broken and that new life was offered, not just to you at that moment, but to each one of us who believes for all time. Today, Jesus, I want that new life. Today, I want to know the joy of knowing that all that's gone before has been forgiven and that the, the, the slate is wiped clean. I want to know that sense of joy and excitement for a new future lived your way from here and now. God, you know me. You know that I'm going to fail, and I will fail often. But Lord, hear the attitude of my heart. My attitude is I want to follow you. I want to live your way. Please, Holy Spirit, give me the strength to live the way that you want me to live in this life. And for whether that is you for the first time or, or whether that's you that's prayed that prayer before but have prayed it anew today, please just indicate that. It's good to, to, to be able to anchor that. So indicate that in a, in a message on Facebook or in the comments box. Or if you want to email us in, then please do. You'll find our uh, contacts on the website. And my personal one is carl at swbaptists.org.uk. So please